Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. This is a dark day for Ideal Remake. The signs have appeared again. The evil has returned. Only one chosen guest has the power to remake this movie. And if you don't get any of those specifics from those two sentences, well, that's Dragon Ball Evolution for you. So, Norman, is Dragon Ball Evolution a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I think it inevitably will be, but I'm not sure if it should be. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll talk about get it. <laughs> another Dragon Ball movie, but I doubt it'll be called Dragon Ball Evolution. No, I don't think so. I think we definitely will I get mean, a Dragon Ball DBE, movie. That's very clever. Right? Yeah. God. They'd have to. It's so popular. Yeah. And like Dragon we'll Ball see. Super reinvigorating everybody. It's it's a thing. Yeah, like uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero is like the newest movie that like just came out in Japan. It's it, it's English like limited theatrical releases soon. We'll see how it does, but I imagine oh. with the success of like things like Demon Slayer recently, even at the American box yeah. office, if Dragon Ball Super Superheroes does well, then it might get Hollywood interested in trying this again. Didn't, a, like, well, I guess three, four years ago was Dragon Ball... Uh, yeah, the Broly uh, movie Broly. came out. Yeah. Dragon Ball Super Broly, which is apparently canon, so now there's a canon Broly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Broly was decent. Dragon Ball Super Broly was pretty yeah, it was pretty fine. decent. It, it absolutely had its moments, and then it absolutely did not. Real yeah. highs and lows in that one. Uh, that's Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. <laughs> The, my, my favorite part of the Broly movie was when Frieza uh, kills Broly's dad and goes, Oh no, look what those awful Saiyans have done. And it's just like, it's so perfect. Yeah. I love that Frieza is a villain in media that is evil for no reason, for no apology. It's just bad. Yeah. It's just what Frieza likes to be and do. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I got to ask, when was the, had you previously seen the movie Dragon Ball Evolution? Yes, I did not see it in theaters uh, because as soon as I saw the first trailer for this movie, I was like, "No, I'm good. Uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to engage with this." And then sometime later, it was it was streaming somewhere, and I was like, "You know what? I'm finally going to watch this. It's been like four or five years. I'll, I'll see what this is." And I was like, "Yeah, oh well, that was a thing I I spent an hour and a half watching, and then ends <laughs> with a really ambitious like, there's going to be a sequel thing. Okay, yeah, they." They sure believed in themselves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you're the anime guy. So when I was like, I, I had the thought, oh, Dragon Ball Evolution would be fun to remake. It has to be Norman. Like, you're the only one who I feel like I should talk about this with. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. But yeah, so, I, I mean, Dragon Ball Z is like one of those things that I have a real fondness for in my childhood. I just watched it growing up on Fox Kids, like, every Saturday. It was, like, the first thing on in the morning. Oh, yeah. And I remember for a little while when I was growing up, Dragon Ball was on UPN in the morning before I would go to school. Interesting. Yeah. So I also, I saw Dragon Ball as a little kid, maybe before I ever saw Dragon Ball Z, but I'm not 100% sure. But I remember watching Dragon Ball in the morning before school. So I don't remember ever seeing Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z on any channel other than Cartoon Network. Interesting. I'm sure I'm sure it was. I just never watched it. Like, I have a distinct memory of the first time I ever saw any of the Dragon Ball characters on TV. 
and it was uh, some Gohan episode after uh, Piccolo takes him after Raditz shows up and Gohan's training in the wilderness and he like right. falls off a cliff or something and he's like running from a dinosaur and it's the first thing I ever saw of Dragon Ball Z and then I just like kept coming back to it for twenty <clears throat> something years. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah oh that's God. just like regional like licenses. I think for like local TV channels, like it aired on Fox Kids. Here Probably. It was a Saturday morning thing, and then I'm pretty sure it was on UPN that Dragon Ball was on. And I because I re- and I remember watching it instead of watching Pokemon before I went to school. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I just watched whatever was whatever Toonami told me to watch. That's what I watched. Yeah, I mean that's how I got exposed to a whole bunch of anime, like Yu Hakusho and Rurouni Kenshin. I all watched. I watched because of Toonami. Yeah, of course. I mean, that that's how Toonami worked. For whatever reason, like, I watched Rune Kenshin, but I never... And, oh, and Yu Yu Hakusho. For some reason, you said Yu Yu Hakusho, and I was thinking of uh, Fox Guy with the Sword. Fox Guy with the Sword? Red suit, and then there's the girl with the black hair, but that doesn't help. Uh, it's the white hair Fox Guy with the Sword. Oh, Inuyasha. The whole anime. Thank you. That, that was Adult Swim, yes. Yes. So I didn't watch that one, but Rune Kenshin and Yu Yu Hakusho definitely watched those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's fun. So I hadn't watched this movie because I just heard it was bad. And I watched it for the first time this week for this recording. And I can confirm it is bad. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, I avoided watching like breakdowns and everything just because I kind of wanted to go in, clean slate, see what I thought, see what was happening. And aside from the fact that it's like they'd read the Wikipedia of the show without watching the show. Which is crazy, because, like, Akira Toriyama was an executive producer on this. Was he? Yeah. He's in the credits as an executive what? producer. So is he... But how involved was he? Be- That's the question. I have no idea. Because I, I can look very much it. see him... Yeah, and I'm not so familiar with Akira Toriyama as a person, but I could potentially see him taking the money and being like, cool, have fun. Right, like, because this was at a time period when, like, GT had already kind of, like, tainted the Dragon Ball brand in the mind of, like, the West. Um, right, and he was not involved with that, and right? he did some character design work for GT, and someone else wrote it. That's my understanding of GT. That might not be 100% correct, but that's my understanding of at least how it started. I'm willing to believe you. And the Dragon Ball, and Dragon Ball Super, the manga was being written by somebody else for a while. Or it's maybe it, it was written by Toriyama first and then someone else took over. I don't remember exactly how that went. But a lot of the Dragon Ball Super manga is written by somebody else. But also the character designs were Toriyama, to my understanding. Interesting. Again, I have no reason to doubt you. Yeah. So, it, and it was at a time when, like, Dragon Ball was kind of at in a valley in, like, what it was worth as a property, I imagine. So some studio sure. was like, I mean, kids like Dragon Ball, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. I I have, uh, this is a weirdly distinct memory, but I remember watching Boyhood, that movie, because it was about this kid growing up. And at some point in that movie, he just has Dragon Ball Z sheets or something. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's fun. I do the, right. <laughs> I do the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio point yeah. to the screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know if the scriptwriters like, ever I... saw any Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. No. Actually, and I think it's... they've only seen Dragon Ball Z. That's the impression I get from this movie. They have not seen yes. any Dragon Ball. They had no idea that there was Which actually a, a story about young Goku. Right. Like, 
the movie definitely is Dragon Ball Z, but then it takes a Dragon Ball story. Yes. And so, like, basically, while I was writing this movie, I was like, this is just all of the stereotypical studio notes that you get, and then just no one said no. Like, stereotypical studio note, age everyone up. Stereotypical studio note, we need to know exactly who these people are and exactly where they come from. We need more romance. Hey, what if there were bullies? Well, we wouldn't want this to be too silly. What if it was high school? I don't understand this. Explain it all to me. Add a voiceover at the beginning so I understand what's happening. (laughs) Despite the fact that literally those words will be said again later in the movie. And it's also like, okay, I when I was watching this uh, a few days ago to get ready for this, because I hadn't seen it in like five, six years or however long it's been, I wrote like actually like close to 700 words in a Word document while I was watching it uh, about just like, <laughs> what is this movie doing? Because like the first thing that I think needs to go is the high school, no, go away. I don't want any of that in the movie. Yeah. Even though I think the fight with the bullies at the party is the best choreographed fight in the whole movie. Again, I completely agree with that. But it doesn't but need to it be this should be there. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, clearly, whoever choreographed it, the fights in this movie has a brain for, like, kung fu movies. Because there's some really good fight choreography right. in this movie. It's The best thing in the movie is the fight choreography. Yeah, I think that's right. Because even, like, at the beginning, when uh, when Goku was fighting Gohan, the, his, grandfather Gohan, not child Gohan, uh, on like the two clotheslines and like they're bouncing back and forth and they're jumping around and like they're flipping upside down. Like I enjoyed that. I thought that was fun. Yeah. It's some good wire work stuff. Like it's, it's fun. Like someone clearly like what has seen and cares and wants to reference like all these like Hong Kong or like just China in general, like Kung Fu movies that were made in like the eighties. That's where a lot of the choreography in this movie seems to come from. Yeah. And despite the fact that, Gohan and Master Roshi are uh, studied at the Turtle School. They decide to use a technique from the Crane School, which is a reference which is to Dragon not Ball. Their school, yeah, it is, but it's not their school. They don't have. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's not like those two schools are rivals or anything. Yeah. No. Okay. So, <laughs> I have a I have a pitch to keep this movie like relatively similar to what it is. Because, like, when I'm I was here last time, when I was here last time, Cass and I, like, made a totally different Green Lantern movie. Um. Yeah, and you you were right. It was fine. And yeah. I was the one that time who had come in with a really similar pitch. Right. So, so like, th- this time we've switched. I have a wildly different pitch. Yeah. Sort of. Not, not 100% different, but, like, 70 to 80% different. Right. Because I think they adapted straight up the wrong part of Dragon Ball, but... If we're going to do Piccolo as the villain in the first Dragon Ball movie, because he has, like, some name recognition, and in that way it, like, makes sense for a movie to want to use Piccolo first. I get it. Sure. That's fine. I understand. That's not what I did, but I'm willing to hear you out. Before we dive into that, though, let's quickly just do a brief, hey, Goku's this uh, chosen one kid who has all these special powers and is trained but doesn't have any friends. So he goes to school and meets some friends. And uh, turns out (laughs) that's a... it's his birthday, so his grandfather Gohan gives him a Dragon Ball. You know, uh, a, 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 a MacGuffin. Yeah. And then Piccolo shows up. He escaped from the prison he was stuck in for 2,000 years. How? Doesn't matter. Somehow, Piccolo returned. Indeed. Somehow, Piccolo returned. And uh, Pic- Piccolo goes there, ki- kill- kills Grandpa Gohan, 
And then Goku's real sad about it for a couple minutes. And then Bulma shows up and they go on an adventure to find other Dragon Balls so they can make one perfect wish. They don't know what that wish is yet. Whatever. And that's basically the movie. They get the Dragon Balls, Piccolo takes them, they fight. Goku realizes that he's been one of the bad guys all the time, but then doesn't want to be anymore, so it's fine. Kamehameha game. We're done. Oh, yeah. They do a beam struggle, which does not happen in all of Dragon Ball. And then, um, cool. He just, uh, you know, d- uh, finds the power within himself to defeat Piccolo. And then the movie's over. Yep. Yay. Yeah. They did it. And they resurrect Master Roshi because he dies in the big fight. Yeah, of course. Why would he res- re- uh, resurrect Master Roshi instead of his grandfather? Right? I know. Wow. It sucks that the, yeah. the Dragon Balls on Earth can only resurrect one person at a time. At this point in the timeline, yes. Wow. Or no, not even at this point in the timeline. Because they, they don't get a... Well, technically they'd only use them at this point to resurrect one person at a time. And it's not until Piccolo kills Shenron and then Kami brings him back that they start being like, Hey, bring back everybody Piccolo killed. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's it's after it's after Kami fixes the Dragon Balls. That, that they Kami, can do it like, again. Get, they, they can do yeah. more people. And then later, when Dende becomes the new Kami, they have the Namekian-style balls, I think. I can't remember exactly. Correct. It's been a while and since if, I've seen that. And if you're listening and you have no idea what, you're talk, what we're talking about, just, just God bless you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we appreciate you being here. I, I will willingly admit this episode might not be for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> let's, let's dig deep in Dragon Ball lore. Norman, tell me what you had in mind okay. to really dig into the Dragon Ball story. All right. So the first thing is get get rid of the high school setting. That's like the first part of my pitch is we don't need that. Totally gone. I Correct. want... Completely agree. Goku... Despite the fact that Chi-Chi, the love interest for some reason, is there. But yes. I don't even think Chi-Chi should be in this movie. Uh, in, actually, if I was just totally adapting it in a way separate from wanting to kind of cleave closer to this movie, I would agree. Chi-Chi shouldn't be a part of this part of the story. But Chi-Chi should... And we'll get that, should... that in my pitch, so I apologize. Okay. So, but Jamie Chung is really charming in this movie. I think she's actually the most charming actor oh, in the movie. Oh, she's so good. A hundred percent. She is doing the best of everybody, despite the fact that they're giving her garbage to work with. And then she gets this awesome fight where, like, she's fighting herself. And that also is a really good fight, despite it being ridiculous. And they're just like, like, be sexy, but also compelling. And she's like, okay. And then does it. Right. I will agree. She is the best performer in this movie. Yeah. uh, Her her and Chow Yun-Fat, like. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm a a sucker for him. It's fine. So we we get rid of the high school thing. We, We just jettison that. And if we're going to do Piccolo as the first bad guy, I think the movie needs to open with him getting out, even if it's just as, like, a cute reference for people of, like, just some sniveling idiot, you know, Emperor Pilaf accidentally finding this thing and releasing this big, giant, evil man. Because uh-huh. then that explains how Mai is in the movie, which is just weird. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because sure is. If there's no Emperor Pilaf, there shouldn't be any Mai. We'll just we'll just deal with that later. We're, we're good. That is correct. Some... Like, like I can't it, remember the name of the fox guy. Pick, uh, shoe, shoe. I looked it up, which will be relevant when I talk about my story. Good, good. But yeah, no, like uh, Piccolo has some like, like 
hot Asian follower ladies for some reason. Like he has Mai and then he has the lady at the, at the end who like brings like him tea in bed. And it's like, I don't understand what either of you are doing. Here. I think that's just supposed to be like a villager that found him at the end. I also get that it's like James Marsters. Yeah. But no. Okay. So. That... Spike is cool and all, but no. Yeah. So like that's the first big change. The second big change that I think should happen to this movie because I think having Piccolo kill Grandpa Gohan, I think robs Goku of like one of his more interesting potential character arcs. If we're going to readapt Dragon Ball, which is, you know, that he's accidentally responsible for the death of his grandfather in the, in the source material. And he doesn't know that because he can't remember anything he's ever done when he turns into a giant ape monster. (laughs) Yep. Or in this movie, uh, six foot, seven foot tall, eight monster. Right. Instead of like a, like a 10 story giant monkey. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think Grandpa Gohan <laughs> should be in this movie because I think what's more interesting about Goku at the beginning of Dragon Ball is we don't know where he came from and we just learn more yeah. about this guy, this kid, through the lens of Bulma's perspective. I want Goku and Bulma to meet in pretty much the same way they do in the Dragon Ball manga, which is Bulma already has a radar looking for the Dragon Balls and just finds Goku living by himself out in the woods. Yeah. That is exactly I how I want this movie to like open and have them introduced. And I think that you save the Grandpa Gohan, like what happened to him and like the greater part of his story for later. And I'll get there too. Um, and then I think yep. most of this movie should be like the road trip looking for the Dragon Balls thing, the adventure part of Dragon Ball. But in the background, you have Piccolo, who's also looking for the Dragon Balls. And they kind of don't cross paths for a little while. So you get this fun, like, road trip stuff. You still get to meet Yamcha. You still, like, have Goku, like, wanting to get stronger after the first encounter with Piccolo. So he seeks out Master Roshi. So you can still have Master Roshi in this movie. I'm not sure whether or not I would want to find a way to put Krillin in this first movie. But if not, I have a way to put him into a second one. Yeah. Um, So you you do the road trip thing. You can have, like, you can have a scene of, like, Goku tearing through a military base of, like, the Red Ribbon Army just as, like, random bad guys holding a Dragon Ball so that people that know are, like, doing the Leonardo DiCaprio point at the screen thing. But Bulma can also be like, (laughs) who the hell is this kid? As he just, like, tears through, like, people in power armor and robots and, like, just takes the Dragon Ball and they leave. Like, you can just have fun with it for, like, the road trip part of the movie. And then you can do, like, they run into Piccolo, they have a big fight, they separate... And part of the road trip, if you want to keep Chi-Chi in the movie, can be, like, pretty similar to how he meets Chi-Chi in the, in the manga. Like, her dad, still, like, the Mountain King. Because we, we should do, we shouldn't do, like, the modern time period, the Ox King. We shouldn't do the modern time period thing either. Let Dragon Ball be, like, this weird, anachronistic, like, fantasy thing. Like, that's, like, the weirdest thing about this movie, and I think its biggest weakness, is that it's trying to be, like, a modern, like toned down retelling of Dragon Ball with like these like modern studio sensibilities and it's like afraid to be an anime adaptation yeah and it just doesn't work and it never has the the only time that's ever worked is like that first X-Men movie yeah and then it quickly just went off and like did crazy shenanigans right I mean but in the first X-Men movie you have the the two enormous pillars of talent in in Patrick Stewart and, and Ian McKellen that just make yeah. the entire movie have more gravitas than anyone thought it would. Absolutely, yes. And we don't have that here. We do not. But I think we could. I think we could have if this was just a little different. Because 
by trying to be like this modern like 2000 story i think it just robs dragon ball of a lot of its charm Mm -hmm. because like the story is like kind of inherently whimsical and a little anachronistic and weird the so yeah you can have you can have like chi chi and her father like still doing their thing and like guarding a dragon ball and you can have goku and chi chi fight and he can win but it can be close and he gets the dragon ball from her dad and that's how they meet and that's their meet cute because that's what it is in the in the manga and then later she can show up you know at a budokai tournament and be like goku do you remember me and he's like what no and then from there it's it's (laughs) tale as old as time yeah of course so you get so you can still do that and I think it still works, like, in the confines of, like, this kind of being, like, a countdown to an impending, like, big standoff with Piccolo over the Dragon Balls. Mm-hmm. You have the big fight with Piccolo. You have Roshi teach Goku the Kamehameha, like, in the sidelines of the movie. Um, you, so we can see some of that stuff. You have the big fight with Piccolo. Goku wins. It, I would love it if it's in the same way as in the manga. But if Goku is not a child, and I don't, I think it's harder to cast the child in a movie like this than... Uh, it would be way more gruesome and might not work as well when uh, he, like, flies through his chest as a full-grown adult. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you do the thing where Piccolo dies and spits out an egg and Goku's like, what the hell was that? But then we just, like, don't dwell on it. I was genuinely expecting that to happen in this movie because I was like, it's the first movie that, and he just did the thing. There's got to be this moment where, like, Piccolo like, – because they even have Piccolo make – minions in this movie and they just like a crazy contraption machine like drains his blood and they turn into monsters but those monsters are immediately killed and thrown into lava they barely killed krillin at all right i know come on so you could even have chi chi be the person who mentions a tournament the way that she does in this movie but in the case of like actually wanting to adapt the story it's the budokai Mm -hmm. Uh, like the world martial arts tournament and then that leads into a second movie where we see Goku training for that tournament and we can meet Krillin and Tien and Chiaotzu in a second movie. Mm-hmm. So they have time to exist and like get a little characterization. Yeah. Um, and during that second movie, this is like my pitch for like doing like separating out uh, Grandpa Gohan from the first movie. If you do a second movie, you show flashbacks to Gohan's childhood being raised uh, to Goku's childhood being raised by Grandpa Gohan and how having like this positive person to help him find his way in the world leads to Goku being a good person alongside watching the second Piccolo grow up across that movie. And then at the end you either have the second Piccolo show up to the Budokai and then the second, the third movie starts with the Budokai versus Piccolo or like you go through the whole first Budokai Tenkaichi tournament. And then we get to see like the young Piccolo do something at the end of the movie leading into a third one. Yes. Okay. I follow that. That makes sense. But I think seeing like seeing what happened to Grandpa Gohan and seeing how Goku growing up with him versus what the young Piccolo growing up with nothing does to the two of them, like links their characters in a way the Dragon Ball Z did. And it makes us care more about the inevitable turn of young Piccolo. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Okay, I like that. Cool. So, yes, that's ambitious. (laughs) Yeah. So here's my question for you. My, my kind of follow-up, and then I'll tell you about my pitch. What is your wish at the end of the first movie? What do they wish for from the Dragon Balls? I mean, because I I have always thought it's hilarious. I actually think that Bulma should just make the wish she makes in the manga. For a just boyfriend? For a boyfriend. She never makes that wish. Or the wish that she wants to. I think she should. The wish that she Because I think to. it's really funny. Because uh, I've had this headcanon forever that at some point she went and found them and made that wish. And that's what causes the Saiyans to show up. 
That's genuinely hilarious. Yeah. Great. Like I like it. That's funny. Uh, good. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Let me tell you about my, my idea. My idea has yeah. a lot of similar things to yours. Except instead of having Goku start as an adult, I still want Goku to be a child. Because I also have an idea for a trilogy. And theoretically, I'd like us to be able to see this kid grow up. Yeah. And so I also want Bulma to find Goku as this kid living alone in the woods for the exact same reason. of It's it's go- Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, at the end of the day, is this big, grand, sweeping story that just starts with a woman finding a child in the woods. Right? Like, I think something really important to the story of Dragon Ball that I think is sometimes lost um, nowadays, especially post-Dragon Ball Z, is that before Krillin, and for a long time, really, like, Bulma is Goku's best friend. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have Krillin in this movie. In my head, that's a second movie. Both Krillin and Chi-Chi, I have, theoretically, as we expand the world, and Goku starts, like, training in earnest kind of thing. I can see that, yeah. And for then you me, can do Korin and Yajirobe, and I love Yajirobe. For whatever reason, yeah, I mean, I like Korin and Yajirobe. We'll come back to that. I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. for Korin and Yajirobe. But, because I also always forget they exist. Um, you know, that's fair. They don't do but, anything in Dragon Ball Z. They Not really. Well, not after uh, uh, the, the Saiyan arc. Yajirobe does one of the most important things in all of Dragon Ball Z. One time. Correct. Very brief moment. <laughs> and uh, And that was enough. And then I think he also shows up for the Android arc. And then that's it. Oh, yeah. Probably, he, he, yeah. he brings sensu beans. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so basically, He's a delivery boy. It, yeah. I, what I think we need is I think Goku needs to be our um, avatar of the audience. If Bulma's there, is like, you have a Dragon Ball. I'm sorry I shot you in the head, but you have a Dragon Ball. Right. I, 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 I'm, I'm collecting them all. See, I have one, too. And he's like, oh, well, this was uh, my grandfather's. And she's right. like, well, and I, I cannot let you have it. And she's like, well, then that means you better come with me. And he's like, what? I can't leave. My grandfather's here. And then, like, they go and it turns out it's a grave and it's very sad. And she's like, well, what do your grandfather want for you? To live a good life. Good life says go on an adventure with the pretty lady. And he's like, all right, you're right. And he right. brings uh, he brings his grandfather's things, including a box that says, uh, in case of emergency, open box. What's in the box? I don't know. There's never been an emergency. Right. And so they go on an adventure, They and they travel all over the world instead of within a few miles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, like, Ugh. Bulma has a plan. In my head, to make it a little bit more modern, she's, like, Steve Jobs' kid. Like, she's got okay. drones and apps and phones and things. And, like, Dragon Ball Z is all about, like, Capsule Corp and, like, these small things. But it just didn't really work in the movie. No. But, like, we have cool, impressive technology, and you just... It, all you have to have is have her have technology compared to Goku's, like, forest logic. Right. Yeah. He just brute forces everything, and she's like, no. Why would I put myself in danger? I have robots. Exactly. And so they go, and the first Dragon Ball they find is just, like, a cool adventure, jumping in the woods. Goku does cool, impressive things, and she's like... And, that, and like, her technology fails, but his forest logic works, and it's like, they're mm-hmm. kind of meeting each other's strengths and they have fun the next dragon ball is going to be yamcha and yamcha is going to try and rob them badly and it's going to fail uh goku's going to try and beat him up but bulma says i got this one you got the last one and bulma just like technologies knocks him down he's like wait wait wait. clearly you guys know what you're doing 
Can I please come with you? I'm all alone out here. I mean, I have Poir, but Poir's right, a Poir and Right, because Oolong's not with Yamcha. They meet Oolong somewhere else. Yeah, Oolong is just like terrorizing a village or something. Like right. making people believe that he's this big crazy monster. And then I, I didn't cast Oolong because Oolong sucks. Yeah, Oolong does suck. But I, I did cast Poir because I thought it was funny. Yeah. And it's a little bit of the technology in this, like, because Poir has, like, shape-shifting things, and that, I don't know if I want that to be in there, but for the most part, just talking cat. Sell toys to the kids. Exactly. Shape-shifting, eh, it's not really ever relevant. For our purposes, talking cat, and they, they continue on their adventure. They now have four balls. Then they get to, then we start, real, and so that's kind of the end of our act one. And we realize that these four balls and these four people are being tracked by the true villains, Emperor Pilaf, Mai, and Shu. Good, yeah. And they have two balls. And they're going to be here in order to, because Emperor Pilaf deserves to be emperor and king of the world. And that's what they're collecting the Dragon Balls for. Doesn't matter where they got there to, doesn't matter how anyone knows how this would work. All we know is that Emperor Pilaf now knows that these four have them. Right, and they have some way to hide there, too, from Bulma's radar. Yes. And they, uh, Shu and Mai want to go after them right now. It's like, they're just kids. They can take them down. And Emperor Pilaf says, no, they somehow managed to get four, and we've never been able to get one from the last one from Master Roshi. Let's see if they can, then we'll rob them. Nice. So what happens is... Goku, Boma, Yamcha, and Poir go to meet Master Roshi, and Master Roshi is like, it's like, well, I, I have a Dragon Ball, but you would have to take it from me. And Yamcha's like, I got this. And he goes to fight Master Roshi, and Master Roshi just like, Yamcha's him. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just ends yeah. him. <laughs> Lying in a crater. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> as one does. I genuinely, like, would have Master Roshi punch the ground and hit Yamcha into it, and then there's just a moment of him lying in the crater. I just, because I yeah. think it would be funny. I agree. <laughs> and and then it's like oh my god this guy's unbeatable and then goku's like well i'll take a try and like and then bulma tries to shoot at him but like master roshi dodges it all and then goku stands right. up and starts fighting and then master roshi like all of a sudden like who the heck is this kid and like has to try and fight back and that fight finally ends by master roshi kamehameing goku and goku's like what did you just do and it's like oh it's an energy blast it's a you, you build an energy inside and then you release it and goku's like oh like this? And immediately does it, yeah. Yeah, which is what happens in the cartoon, but that, it's like, because he's child prodigy, super smart, can get good and clever and figure things out, and it's like, oh. Hey, kid, who trained you? Oh, my grandfather Gohan. Oh my god, no way! Well, if you're Gohan's kid, you deserve to have this uh, Dragon Ball. It's like, we have five! Oh my god, we did it! And uh, it's like, alright, kids, good luck, but be careful because there's going to be a lot of dangerous people out there who try to get your Dragon Balls. Right. And so that's kind of the first half of Act 2. And then second half of Act 2 is they're going on the way and they're trying to figure out why the Dragon Radar isn't picking up the last two. And they're trying to see if they can boost the signal, boost the signal, and nothing's working. And so they're about to give up. And then suddenly, ping, it turns on. Oh my gosh, there's two Dragon Balls together. I don't know why they didn't show up on the radar before, but they're showing up now. They might disappear. We have to go get them. And so they go and they run and like they go as fast as they can. And it's obviously a trap. Emperor Pilaf, Mai, and Shu capture them. At which point, Bulma will turn to Yamcha and go, that's how good bandits do this. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and so that's the end of Act 2. The Dragon Balls are stolen. 
And so now Emperor Pilaf, mind you, have all seven, sort of. Because Goku had kept stealing his back from from Bulma's bag because it was it was it's grandfather's uh ball. And so right. some for somehow they actually only have six. Goku still has his. So they go to make their wish over the bag and it doesn't work because they only have six. Meanwhile, throughout Act One and Two, Goku's had a very, very strict bedtime. Because his grandfather Gohan literally beat into him, you're a child, you have a bedtime, you go to sleep. And so Goku's always gone to sleep. No matter what else is going on, no matter how far they have left to go, no matter if the thing's just five minutes away, Goku has a bedtime, he has to do the thing. Right. Sun goes down, so do I. Yep, exactly. And But now, all of a sudden, they have this, this Act 3, they have to get the last six Dragon Balls. Maybe they've captured someone, maybe not, I don't know. But they're basically saying, you better come bring us the last Dragon Ball or something bad's going to happen. And so they have to go show up. And at the end of the day, they make this trade at midnight and ha- or whenever the moon rises. And they make this trade and they give the last Dragon Ball, Gohan's Dragon Ball, in order to save whoever Emperor Bai and Shu captured. And they give it over and they think everything is lost. But it's night. And Goku's like, wow, what's that big thing up in the sky? That's the moon. Haven't you ever seen the moon before? Oh, yeah. I... Boom, boom. Boom, boom. And Bulma thinks back and remembers seeing this massive footprint that the little house was built in that Goku used to live in. And all of a sudden, Goku, this kid with a tail, because I want him to have the tail in this movie. Yes, he needs to have a tail. giant monster. He needs to have a tail. Rules are rules. And everything explodes off of him, including the box that said, opening case of emergency. And Goku, like giant Ozaru Goku, just starts wrecking everything. And they're like, well, I don't, if this isn't an emergency, I don't know what is. And they, it's, uh, they open it and it's, it kind of like expands into like a pole or a sword or something. And with a note that says, in case of emergency, remove tail. And it's just an image of the monkey with a little sever cut over the tail. It says, in case of emergency, cut this off. And they're like, uh, right. uh, uh. Who's going to get close enough to do that? That's the thing. Yamcha has to do it. Because Yamcha has failed, 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 failed throughout the movie. And now all of a sudden, he's the only one that can do it. Bulma's guns and technology aren't going to work. They need old school someone who's willing to risk everything in order to save everybody. And it's going to have to be Yamcha. And so Yamcha does it. He gets very hurt, but he does it. And he cuts off the tail. And But now all of a sudden, they have it. They, they got the Dragon Balls. And they're worried that like Emperor Pilaf is coming and they need to make their wish otherwise emperor pilaf is like big and scary and will and will take the dragon balls back from them and so they summon the dragon and they're about to make their big wish to be rich and powerful or famous or get a boyfriend or whatever they want and goku suddenly wakes up and goes oh man i wish we had a big feast i'm so hungry poof (laughs) and that's the wish nice and so and then resolution is okay you're out of control. We have to go send you to get trained. So Goku's going to go get training at uh, Turtle School. And I would make that with Krillin, but I would also make Chi-Chi one of the students as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that would be the second movie. And the second movie is training, but then Piccolo shows up and it's Roshi is training them to take over for him because Roshi's going to go sacrifice himself to take care of Piccolo. And then finally, the third movie is the tournament arc. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and if you're doing the tournament arc... Yeah, if you're doing the tournament arc with young Piccolo, like, one of the things, I think, is that you have to do Kami. 
Yes. Which means that, like, you have to figure out a way to do that and, like, devote time to doing that. And do. does that mean that, that you is... still do Corin and Yajirobi? Does that mean that you just, like, skip Corin, Yajirobi, and Popo? I think Kami is the teaser at the end of the credits of the second movie. Goku's defeated King Piccolo and believes King Piccolo's dead, other than that weird thing he spit up at the end of the movie. But at the end of the credits, uh, Goku's somewhere and in steps King Piccolo. And it's like, oh my god, Piccolo, I, I, can't, I right. stopped you. How did this happen? And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm not Piccolo. I'm Kami. But that mean, But if I'm still around, that means Piccolo's not dead either. And then we see in the distance, bum, bum, egg hatch, baby Piccolo. Right. So, and then the third movie is just, uh, not necessarily Crane School, but definitely Young Piccolo, but also Tien and Chaozu and, like, they're the, the little mini boss and, like, Piccolo, like, trying to recruit them and, like, they're Piccolo's henchmen and then Goku defeats them because they're not willing to go quite as far as Piccolo is. Yeah. And that's kind of third movie. And Kami possesses the businessman to go fight in the tournament. Of course, and gets just wrecked. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I had in mind. It is similar to, to what you suggested. I just, I think it's important for Goku to be young. Yeah, so I, I, I was thinking about that. And like, honestly, it's mostly because I was like, I have no idea who to cast as a young Goku. I don't, I don't even know where yeah. to begin to try to cast like someone that could believably be like an eight-year-old. So, like, if you cast an actor that believably could be, and we're used to suspending our disbelief in this regard, like 16, 17, and then you just do, like, a five to ten year time jump into the next movie, and then we can see, like, young Piccolo yeah. grow up across ten years into the body of an adult, and that's fine, because he's not human. He's not even, like, Namekians are basically plant people. Right. They're, like, weird plant bugs. It's weird. Right. I thought I was a demon. No, you're a plant guy. And I, I also think it's important because that's kind of built into the nature of movie making of we get to see these people grow up. And that's kind of the joy of it. Yeah, I can see that. In, in my head, young Goku is like like an Asian Archie Yates. Okay. Archie Yates is the new Home Alone kid. He's the, uh, the friend from, um, shoot, uh, 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 something rabbit. Doesn't matter. The Taika Waititi Nazi movie. Oh, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I haven't seen that yet. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good. I highly recommend it. Archie Yates is fantastic in it. But literally, like, that kind of energy, but in, like, a young kid that can, like, punch stuff, fully on board. And yeah. that's what we would pay casting lots of money to find. Theoretically. Right. You gotta find this kid. Yeah. But basically, like, that's kind of the idea I had in mind to, to kind of make this movie and, like, kind of build up this world. Because we have this really sweet story. Like, the first movie is just an adventure movie. They're going on an adventure to find the things. Yeah. And the, the second movie is when, like, you realize this world is larger and there's and bigger threats loom than, like, Emperor Pilaf, Mai, and Shu, who will be in the subsequent movies, but will be less and less and less a threat as the movies progress because bigger threats keep coming along and they keep being like, okay, we see that you're busy. We'll be over here. Yeah. They're the Team Rocket of Dragon Ball. They are absolutely the Team Rocket of Dragon Ball, but not... but And like Team Rocket, Team Rocket in the first season of of pokemon is a genuine threat yeah and then like, they become scary useless in the face of greater threats yeah they're there to fulfill the algorithm of meet new pokemon team rocket steal new pokemon friendship yay yay we did it uh and 
and and we can kind of can see that happen like as our characters get more powerful like the emperor peel off gang gets kind of less powerful i don't know yeah it's, it's like a benchmark it's like this weird little thing to just like keep in mind as you watch them grow i i, exactly. I dig that i like that i mean like that that's the purpose they serve in the narrative anyway um, yeah and so if you're okay with it that kind of was my pitch and obviously like yeah i like your I'm, idea that that is certainly a better and closer that is probably a better remake of dragon ball evolution and mine would just kind of be dragon ball the movie right which like personally i'm more interested in i just wanted to try to like come up with a pitch that was closer to the movie after last time i was here you did a great job (laughs) and i tried to come up with like a closer pitch to the source material because of last time right i like what you did last time yeah Yeah. i had fun with that (laughs) Uh, can I talk real quickly about stuff that I actually liked in this movie? Like, oh, of over, course. Overall. Please. Tell me, um, tell me your three things you liked. Uh, it, it's a little more than three. I've already kind of talked about some okay, of them. Okay, I, I think that Jamie Chung is, is great in this movie, despite having nothing to work with. The fight choreography is great. <laughs> I think the three best scenes in the movie are when Bulma and Goku get, you know, mistaken for thieves by Master Roshi in his house. The little fight scene there is really fun. Uh, I think that Chi-Chi and Goku in the courtyard when he's like doing the energy training is a really strong scene. But I think the best scene in this movie is actually Bulma and Yamcha wandering around Toysan talking. Because I think those two actors actually had a lot of really good chemistry. But it doesn't feel like the moment and the conversation doesn't feel like earned at all in the movie. Because they haven't had anything to do. I agree with that. And and they don't give Yamcha really anything to play with. They don't really give either of them really anything to play with. They're just kind of there because the fans would demand it. Right. And then, like, some stuff... And then I, I think that Choi Yun-Fat's energy as Master Roshi is, like, almost there. It's not quite, but there are times where I think it's, like, pretty much perfect to, like, who Master Roshi is in the source material. Yamcha is just, like, turning a little too far, bro. Yeah, very much so, yes. Uh, Bulma doesn't feel like Bulma. Not at all. Chi-Chi is just basically a brand new character. But that's fine because Chi-Chi also, doesn't have a ton of characterization in Dragon Ball. And it gets a little bit better when she comes back for the tournament. Well, she has Chi-Chi's one defining characteristic that we learned in Dragon Ball. She's rich. It's true. She's rich. And she likes <laughs> that, Goku. And he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Although in this movie, she's clearly just attracted to power because she's like with the bully for some reason. And it's like, oh, you're stronger than the bully. I'm into you. Right? Hmm. What's this? And she likes strong guys. Nobody around stronger than Goku. Exactly. Best there is. Goku is kind of like mischaracterized from the bottom up. I think it's like it's the worst part of this movie for me. Yeah. And I I don't necessarily fault the actor. I don't think that he did as bad a job like as people potentially make out like i thought he did as good with the material as he possibly could have i think he's trying to be playful he's trying to be fun occasionally there's uh chai fat making a ridiculous like ha 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 i'm master roshi ha 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 gohan's dead oh yeah that it's not great but i don't think that's their fault i think that's the directing's fault yeah i think the, this movie's biggest weakness is like is the tone. It has no control over the tone, and it's trying to match yeah. the tone of movies that came out at this time that were popular, yeah. rather than trying to be mm-hmm. its own thing. Yeah, I agree with that. It, um, I, I do feel like it was. 
I genuinely, when I made my list of studio notes, I very much felt like it's the sort of thing that feels like it got studio noted to death. Because there's yeah. a lot of little things in here where you're like, oh, this person was paying attention. Like, there's the moment where they pick up Master Roshi and they jump on the bike and there's no room for Goku on the bike. So Master Roshi loads him down with all his stuff and makes Goku run. Which is something that happens in Dragon Ball. Right. And that's not something you think, oh, of course, that's everyone's favorite moment. It's clearly a moment of someone who has watched it before. Right. And it's just trying to sneak in all these things. You know, it doesn't play as well now because, like, the trope is super tired. And, like, in the modern environment that, like, Roshi is kind of a pervy old man. But I think people have forgotten. I think people have forgotten that when Roshi was written, that was, like, a brand new trope and is a direct subversion of the idea of the wise sage. The point of Roshi is to be a subversion, to be, like, you expect him to be, like, this perfect, like, person without flaw. And he's just this horribly flawed kind of a jerk which like was not a thing that was done prior to roshi interesting i was unaware of that yeah so like the whole point of roshi is to be exactly the opposite of what he's expected to be when you hear about him cool okay i do like that well then let's just uh make roshi uh kleptomaniac right like i think you can still like what they did in this movie i think is all that needs to be done to like nod like to give a nod to like where roshi came from and who roshi was yeah i think it's it i think it's it's just the right amount it's fine like finding the magazine when he's going through stuff like the moment on the bike when they're about to leave i think that's all you need to do that's fine i think i agree with you i think that's fair um what other moments did you like i do like james marsters in this movie most of the time just in general i think he's got a really good villain vibe but i think that like because he's such a strong actor working with like weaker material that it just doesn't quite work when he's playing off anybody else in the scene. Yes. I also think that what we're missing from James Marsters and the reason you cast him is for that wicked smile. And he's just wearing so many, so much prosthetics that he can't. Like, yeah. it felt like he couldn't move. And what right. we want is for, like, the evil Piccolo grin of, like, I am about to fuck you up. Right. Exactly. And if we're going to have Piccolo in this movie... And he needs a sidekick. Don't do my. Just do tambourine. No. Yeah. Tambourine, cymbal, whoever. Right. But if you do tambourine, I think you have to Drum. do Drum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. That's why it's like, that, there's, it's such a long running show and there's so much. That's why I'm like, just do the one story. Yeah. Go on an adventure. Have the thing. Defeat some evil. Have fun with your friends. Second story yeah. of more friends, but also more evil. Right. And like more tension with some of these friends, because like Tien needs to be characterized as a near equal to Goku when we first meet him. I think it's really important. I think if you're adapting Tien, that's something he needs to feel like an actual threat to Goku so that their fight like has real stakes and drama to it when you watch them in the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, in the version that I pitched, Tien would have to be the act one loss. But right. it's a really close loss, and Goku is hurt. Yeah. Because, like, one of the interesting things about Dragon Ball, and it's something that I'd forgotten until um, pretty recently, because I was watching, like, a retrospective from a creator on YouTube called uh, Totally Not Mark, just, like, talking about the story of Dragon Ball. Totally Not Mark is great. It, Goku doesn't win the tournament in Dragon Ball, ever. Nope. Uh, he loses. No, he wins the last one. He wins the last one against Piccolo, but, like, he just just barely. But, like, he doesn't beat Tien. Nope. He doesn't like, beat uh, Tien. He doesn't beat Master Roshi. Right. He loses twice. 
And there are both times where, like, in the narrative, if, when you're as you're watching it, it feels like he should win, like he's already earned it. And then he just barely loses. And it happens twice. Yeah. I think that if we're doing a tournament arc for a supposed movie movie three, I think you're right. And I think it would have to be Piccolo wins and Goku yes. loses. And Goku's like, oh. Oh, that's all you wanted? You just wanted me to apologize for killing your dad? I'm sorry. Man, right. you're a really good fighter. We should do this again. Jumps right. out of the ring. What are you doing? Right. You win. I'll, I'll come back and I'll beat you next time. Right, because Goku what? wins, but he's more hurt than Piccolo when he beats Piccolo. <laughs> yeah, like Piccolo, like mouth lasered him through the stomach yeah yeah uh i think for our version goku doesn't win the tournament but yeah but yeah because you got to see somewhere for him to go exactly and then so that's like original trilogy and then a second trilogy would be the z trilogy right and then you do you do raditz and vegeta are movie one and you split frieza into two movies correct and each of those movies is only five minutes right in in universe but they take 90 yeah, minutes yeah. for us. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if not uh, longer. Because you can't do the Ginyu Force and Frieza in the same 90-minute movie. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. No. I mean... <laughs> and I love the Ginyu Force. They're the, so the, dumb. The I first movie would just be them... Yeah, I love the Ginyu Force. But the first movie of that second trilogy would just be them having to travel in space. Well, like, you also spend the first movie mostly, like, the first of the Frieza movies, mostly without Goku. And that's when you begin your turn with Vegeta, with Vegeta, Krillin, and Gohan working together. That's what you do in the first part of the Frieza movie. I would potentially change that of something else. I don't know. Uh, That's a separate conversation that we can have another time. Like, if you're going to do Vegeta, you got to do the work in a movie for him. Like, so that his turn doesn't feel like... absolutely. His turn is so dragged out in the series that it works, but in a movie, you have to, like, condense a lot of this. Yeah, if, for, for a, a second trilogy, a Z trilogy, Vegeta is the villain in the first one, he's still evil in the second one, and he doesn't really turn around until the middle of the third one, right. sort of. He sacrifices himself to, like, to Frieza to stop him from also killing Gohan as Goku is about to show up. That's what you do with Vegeta in the third movie. Yeah, what I would do with Vegeta is make him care about, oh my god... There are other Saiyans. I, right. And that's why he saves Gohan. It's like, that's the next generation yeah. of Saiyans. I can't let anything happen mm-hmm. to him. Yes. Good. You know, the thing that's never said out loud in the actual series, but is really important. Right. And it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird background motivation for Vegeta as you get to know him. Yeah. He doesn't ever actually want anything bad to happen to Gohan or Trunks because he does recognize that like the Saiyan race is dead except for these people. Yeah. And then you're not a prince. You're just some right, guy. It's just you. Standing on a corner telling people to... Also, shouldn't you be king? I've always wondered that, but I don't know the rules. It's the Disney princess thing. I guess. I guess it's also How like because he didn't personally defeat his father, he never became king. Right, right, right. Deep Maybe lore, those are the rules. Cuts. Yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, let's talk about casting. Let's talk about casting. I, I don't think either of us has someone for Goku. Oh, no, you have a more adult Goku. I have a more adult Goku. And, like, this is the thing I saw online, like, that was, like, relatively common as an idea. So I went and found some clips to, like, see who this guy was. And it's Ki Hong Lee. And I think he's got really good, like, playful energy. He was in the Maze Runner. He plays uh, Dong in Kimmy Schmidt. Okay. I-, I vaguely recognize him. I think he looks young enough, but also, like, could put on the muscle to, like, look like a nice toned, like, mid-teens Goku. I mean, how old do you think he is? I think I think he's around 30. He's 35, yeah. He's 35. 
Yeah. But I think, like, you can make someone that looks that, like, you can make someone look younger and, like, believably be like, we're used to saying that people in their 30s are teenagers or around 30 are teenagers, like, when we watch movies. We'll get over Fair it. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because then you can do a time jump and just, like, make a second movie and be like, it's, like, 10 years later. Yay. He's like, <laughs> now he's supposed to be, like, 28. Yeah. And we'll just, like, do the thing. And that's fine. Um, but as far as the child Goku, I literally have no idea. Yeah, I also don't either. We would just have to find them. It would have to be and introducing. Right. We, we'd have to find a child Goku. Um, if we're doing your version, we don't need a Chi-Chi. Uh, but if I was going to cast a Chi-Chi, like, more in line of, like, the, the the age of, like, the post, of, like, post-time jump that I'm thinking of, it'd be, like, someone like Gemma Chan. Fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. So for Bulma, and I think this still works with the idea of, like, if you're doing a child Goku or if you're going to make them all, like, a little older... I, because I loved her in Runaways, this Lyrica Okano. Oh, yeah, of course. She's great. Uh, and I think she'd be a good Bulma. I think she'd be fun. She played Nico. Yes. Cool. So for my cast, I did not just Asian people, obviously not just white people. And so for this Bulma in particular, because she's like daughter of a tech billionaire and a lot of those dudes are white, um, I went with a, a white lady. And I went with uh, Catherine Newton. She's in Big Little Lies. She's in The Society. I know her from Detective Pikachu. And I remember thinking when she was in Detective Pikachu, oh, that lady's got some Bulma energy. That sounds fun. Yeah. Pe- peppy, fun, doing the thing, like there to tell a story. The The worst part about Detective Pikachu was how they treated Catherine Newton because like I was, I was watching one time with some friends within the last couple of years and I was just like, all of her lines are just exposition. She just, that's it. That's all she says. But she's doing a good job, and I had to watch the movie two, three times in order to realize, oh, that's her only job. Right. Just here to just here to tell you the plot and tell you what, what you need to know. But if it's delivered well, you don't notice. Exactly. But I, I think she's a good actress, and I think she's fun, which is what you want in a Bulma. Yeah, definitely. I agree. My Yamcha, so my Yamcha is, uh, he was, I don't know. Was Lab Rats on Disney or Nickelodeon? I don't remember. Um, I don't but know. But he's like did like kind of superhero stuff as a kid. He was in something called Pants on Fire. He's in this new Hollywood Star Girl movie. He's uh, this young kid called Tyrell Jackson Williams. I don't know. I just thought Yamcha would be fun if it was a black kid. And have some like be fun and like I know Dragon Ball Z in particular is very popular in the black community, and I think that there has to be something that kind of like represents that. Like, yeah, you deserve to have a place in. Dragon Ball Z also, instead of being just like Mr. Blue or whatever he was in the Red Ribbon Army, and God forbid Mr. Popo. Yeah. The less said about that, the better. Yeah. And especially with the version of uh, Dragon Ball that I'm pitching, Yamcha gets to be the hero. Yeah. I mean, that's really fun. Yeah. Gets to go from being the joke to the guy with the sword. And so that that's who I thought would be fun for Yamcha. Who did you have for Yamcha? Uh, Manny Jacinto. Manny, Jac- Manny Jacinto so goddamn great. Right, like I've only seen him in the good place, and I was like, "This end, like, take this and just like kind of ha- like tweak this a little bit with like kind of the version of Yamcha that was in this movie." And I'm like, "I'd be more into this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. He's super uh, likable. I just, he's it, so, it's just really funny. Just instantly charming, and instantly charming in a way where it's like, if it turns out he was there to rob you, you wouldn't know until he was already gone. But then, like, they turn around on him, and it's like, my bad. But then if the actor's really charming, the audience can forgive it quicker, too. Absolutely, yes. So then I had Poir, who uh, I... So for both Poir and I also cast Turtle, I was looking for voice actors. And I went okay. for Poir. 
I went with the woman who in the English dub is the voice of Naruto because I thought it was funny. And what's her name? I can't remember her name right now. I'm going to I'll tell you her name in a moment. Uh, And in this brief moment of kismet, she's also on Lab Rats. So she's already friends with the person who I I cast as Yamcha. And I was like, oh, my God, this works so well. Uh, Her name is Mail Flanagan. Mail Flanagan. Okay. M-A-I-L-E. You know, I I like the Naruto dub voice. Yeah. And you can believe it. That's right. Just over and over. Just that line. Um, But that... Because Poir gives us this extra character, someone else to talk, some source of comedic relief, and it lets you know that this is a it isn't just our world. It's a weird world. Weird stuff happens, like a talking cat. Right. Yeah, a talking cat. A little bit of super science stuff with Bulma. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, who did you have for Master Roshi? So, I was I'm like I was of two minds of Master Roshi as far as like what I wanted to do with him, uh, because in the in the source material. His alias that he fights at the tournament with is Jackie Chun. And I've thought for, like, a really long time that Jackie Chan would have been fun to be a live-action Master Roshi. Honestly, that is true. And then it's just, like, a little little joke, like, a little wink at the audience when, like, he does the Jackie Chun thing at a tournament. Like, that's just really funny to me. That's that's really good. So, like, Jackie Chan was, like, the first person that came into my mind. But if you wanted to, like, cast someone that was a little younger but still, like, has a lot of, like, fun, charming energy, uh, Benedict Wong was someone that came to mind immediately to me. Mm-hmm. to play Master sense. Roshi and I think yeah. that would be like really good and fun yeah it's true because he's really good at like being both likable and sarcastic yeah if I hadn't uh, cast Benedict Wong in literally the last movie that I did I would have been fully on board but I mean, I, mean, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be coming up all season Benedict Wong is the best he's really good yeah. Um, I think that the strength of casting someone like Jackie Chan in the role of Master Roshi is you get to put like this older actor that was in all of these like kung fu, a bunch of these kung fu movies that clearly influenced Dragon Ball. Yeah. So like he gets to kind of come full circle a little bit with his career. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I I cast uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, who was in Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think he was Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. He's in John Wick yes. Chapter Four. He's in Westworld. For kind he's of also the same, very good. He's also very good. He's also like that big background of like kung fu action movies. But I think Jackie Chan. I mean, the argue. How old is Jackie Chan? Because he's older than you think, but he's younger than old. you think. Yeah. So it's like if we're planning think, on making these movies for fifteen, in his 20 seventies, years, I think. I think he's in his seventies. He might even be older than that. Actually, I don't remember. Jackie Chan is sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. So he's almost seventy. He's yeah. getting close. It's getting close, and obviously he's been beaten all to hell. I think right. Jackie Chan is the right choice. Yeah, I just think he is. And then you didn't cast Turtle, but I did. Right. And I I mean, I just wanted someone who would be fun and would be a good turtle, and so I went with Phil Lamar. Okay, yeah, yeah, 100%. I get that. Yeah. I mean, he, he his voice is all over all superhero things forever. He's also uh, Hermes in Futurama. He's in Pulp Fiction. He's great. I love Phil Lamar. And I think he'd be a good turtle. Yeah. He's I agree. Samurai Jack. I love Samurai Jack. It's so good. And then you have a Piccolo, but I do not. Yeah. Who is your Piccolo? So, so with Piccolo, I'm not sure who I would want to cast as a younger Piccolo because I think you do a different actor. I agree. I don't think you do the same actor like in a prosthesis for an older Piccolo. And I think for older Piccolo, you again cast like one of these big stars from a lot of Kung Fu movies that like influenced Dragon Ball. And the person that first came to mind to me was Jet Li. Um, he might be a little too old, but that was like the first person that came to mind to me. That's fair. But you could also do Hiroyuki Sonata for Piccolo because he's very good at looking menacing. That is also true. Yeah. I, he's 59. He's not even that old. Uh, oh, Honestly, I thought he was older than that. You know what? 
he might be a better Master Roshi. He could be a fun. Ma- he would be a fun Master Roshi too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, hmm, interesting. I just think it's it's just fun. I to me, I think like as someone that's like been a fan of these kung fu movies for so long, for Dragon Ball Z for so long, like seeing someone like in the mentor role in the movie, that is one of those actors from those movies, like feels right to me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna give say Hiroyuki Sonata is Piccolo, and then Jet Li is uh, Master Roshi. Works for me. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure who you would cast for like a young. Uh, like Piccolo Jr. when he's like adult ready to fight. That's uh, that's future producers' problems. That's a future yeah. producers' problem. Yeah. Um, one of the people in my brain was uh, uh, Ludi Lin, who is um, he's what is his name? Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I like it. Cool. So then I have Emperor Pilaf Mind Shu. Uh, what other actory roles do you have, if any? So, because I was like, I don't really want Grandpa Gohan in this movie, uh, I didn't Agreed. cast a Grandpa Gohan. And I was like, well, if I have if I have Piccolo and I want him to have a, a sidekick, I'd want it to be Tambourine. And I was uh-huh. like, I think Dave Bautista would be a fun Tambourine. <laughs> okay. He just it, he just needs to be like a big menacing henchman uh, that can do like the evil laugh and like lord it over you, which is what Bautista did as a heel in the WWE for years. Oh, you know who it should actually be? So this week in particular, I got really into watching... Uh, this show called ghosts and i've been watching the american version and it's just like this fun cbs comedy and there is an actor playing a like a big viking ghost guy and his name is hmm. devin chandler long and he is a large man who is very funny but also very menacing hmm. i think that might be what you're looking for in terms of like a tambourine or a symbol or whatever no symbol was the right was the pterodactyl one right no that was flute i think that was flute okay it doesn't matter anyway tambourine is the only one i can picture immediately by name yeah of course um but anyway i wonder why it it, it, yeah (laughs) weird oh yeah yeah this guy looks perfect right yeah that guy he's also ripped yeah he's playing someone named thor he has to be yeah thorinson or whatever so I'll kind of run through who I had for my Emperor Pilaf, my Mai, and my Shu. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my Emperor Pilaf, <laughs> I want, like, someone who can be menacing, but it just can also be, like, a silly white guy. I also went a little bit older because I wasn't sure how we'd be doing this. So I went with uh, Will Forte. You know, from Will Last Forte. Man on Earth, MacGruber, A Few Tile and Stupid Gesture. He was on SNL. Oh, yep, I know who this is. <laughs> yeah, I thought he'd be a fun Emperor Pilaf. Just, like, can run around, do jokes, but also be, like, scary and steal stuff. And, like, can be progressively more silly as we continue to film these things. Right, yeah. My Mai is someone who, weirdly enough, is more known for her voiceover work. And I've definitely cast her on this before, like, in this podcast before. But I first saw her, like, live action acting in, like, a short that she like she was in a short that was at a festival that I had a short in. Uh, but she's the lead in Centaur World. She's in Into the Spider-Verse. And that's Kimiko Glenn. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she's great. For sure. And then Shu is a sentient ninja dog. And that's hard yes. to typecast for because there aren't that many people playing sentient ninja dogs these days. It's a, it's a dying art. And so I wanted someone who had been in Sonic the Hedgehog, The 100, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency... And I cast an actor named uh, Lee uh, Majdub, and 
Uh, that's spelled M-A-J-D-O-U-B. If you've seen Sonic, he is the henchman to Jim Carrey. Oh, yes. I, I haven't seen Sonic 2 yet, but I've seen the first one. He plays the same character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can um, be, like, sycophantic but competent right. for as long as he needs to be. And then he's sycophantic and incompetent when he right. needs to and be. And then he and fails, yeah. Yeah. And so that's why... And then he's, like, done other stuff, too, I guess. But, like, most importantly, that's why I cast him. Because I think, like, he kind of fulfills that role. Uh, he fills the role of a good shoe. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That 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 works. And, like, Emperor Pilaf needs to be someone that's kind of megalomo- megalomaniacal. So he's already played off that in a movie. Exactly. Uh, I just thought he's fun and I think he does a good job. And then that yeah. brings me to uh, writer and director. So I had separate writer, separate director. And oh, neither man. of them are... Uh, no, that's not true. My writer is of Asian descent. My director is not. I, I I couldn't even, like, really think about who I would really want to, like, write or direct this movie. It was, like, in, one of the things in my head is, like, I wonder what this would look like directed by someone like Taika Waititi. Because yeah. Dragon Ball is inherently, like, both funny and serious. There's a lot of physical mm-hmm. comedy. Like, I think Taika Waititi would be a fun director for a Dragon Ball movie. And I think he would get the tone right. I think so. But... As far as a writer, I really, I don't, like, that's something that I have, like, kind of no idea about who I would want to write this movie. So, my writer is, she's the writer of Raya and the Last Dragon, which, you know, the story of a young person teaming up with a magical creature to travel the world looking to collect all the pieces in order to get a thing. And also, there's a dragon. And then she also uh, wrote Crazy Rich Asians. She wrote Rain. And I feel like... If nothing else, she's certainly aware of this as a property and can be, like, connected to this in ways that I might not necessarily understand. And she has written adventure movies before, and she can do a good job. And uh, maybe she'd give Bilma something to do. Yeah, you know, that'd be nice. Other than name them, like, Dyson Spheres and then be like, oh, they're Dragon Balls? I immediately forget everything I've said. Right. What's We're that? Just go Someone else it. is doing something? Just going to go along with it. I don't know. I think she'd be able to write a good Bulma and give us a good story, and I think she'd do a good job. Yeah. Because, like, Bulma is the one that gets us from point A to B at the very beginning of Dragon Ball, and I think you should maintain that and make it more clear that, like, this is her show for, like, the first half of the movie. Yeah, it's... For the entire first arc, it's Bulma's... Like, Bulma is the driving force behind the story. It's not until Goku legitimately learns the difference between right and wrong that he's like, oh, I guess I should go help people. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it's legitimately Bulma's quest that, like, gets Goku to be a hero. Like, it, it, yeah. this is all because of Bulma. This, Bulma's quest to find a boyfriend is what made the hero of the Earth. Yeah. Like, honestly, the Earth would have been blown up if Bulma didn't want a boyfriend because Goku would still just be living in the woods somewhere eating fish. Right. And never would have trained to the point where he could have beat the Saiyans when they showed up. Exactly. Yeah, it's... Yes. And then my director is a guy who has direct... Uh, it, the director's name is Sean Levy. Levy. One of the two. He He's directed episodes of Stranger Things. He did Night at the Museum. He also was, like, the Adam Project Free Guy director. He can kind of, like, kind of balance between, like, going back and forth between, like, serious and comedy. And he's obviously worked with right. kids because he's directed episodes of Stranger Things. Right. Yeah, and that, that's important if you're going to do the Kid Goku thing. Like, you got a, a yeah. director that's going to be, like, patient and work with a kid. Like, Yeah, you, you have to be good with kids. Yeah, you have to be. You've got limited time. you got to be able to get everything out of them that you can. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know how to do a rundown of casting in order for this, just because we have such separate movies. I mean, fair. I think we mostly should go with uh, with like the young Goku idea. Like, it's truer to the source material. I think it would make more fans of the property happy. I just wanted yeah. to try to like give a pitch for adapting like with the older with the older crowd. Yeah. So. I also don't necessarily think we should call it Dragon Ball Evolution. I would just call it the Dragon no. Ball movie. Yeah, it, it should just be called Dragon Ball. I don't, there's yeah. no reason it can't be. Dragon Ball, first star. Then you have Dragon Ball, second star. Dragon Ball. It doesn't even star. have to be like written. It can just be Dragon Ball and then a star at the end. Like that's all Or you have to do. Dragon Ball and the A, the O in Dragon has one star in it. And then the second one has two stars in it. The third right. one has three stars. I mean, obviously, I mean, right now it's just Dragon Ball one, two, and three, and that's fine. But like yeah. in the the poster, you just do it with the stars and the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, can give them subtitles good. if you want, but I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to. I think you're right. So, Dragon Ball, Goku will find them. We need to do a big search to find this kid because the movie doesn't work until we find the kid. If we can't find the kid, can't make a movie. But once we find the kid, we're making a movie. Our Bulma was that Ki Hong Lee. I don't remember who you had for your Bulma. Uh, my Bulma was Lyrico Okano. Yeah, from uh, Runaways. Um, Or Catherine Newton. Yamcha, that's Ki Hong Lee versus uh, Tyrell Jackson-Williams. Chi-Chi would have been Gemma Chan if Chi-Chi was in this movie uh, and that age. Puar will be uh, Male Flanagan. Master Roshi will be Jet Li. Piccolo, if Piccolo's in this movie, will be Hiroyuki Sonata. Uh, Sorry, Piccolo is Hiroyuki Sonata. Master Roshi is Jet Li. Turtle will be Phil Lamar. Tambourine will be Devin Chandler Long, and then Dave Batista can be Drum. Sure, yeah. And then Emperor Pilaf will be Will Forte. Kimiko Glenn is Mai. Shu will be played by Lee Majdub. Uh, all of this will be written by Adele Lim. And then if it's kids, directed by Sean Levy. If it's just kind of like, hey, it's a fun one-off movie, that's a Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. And that's uh, piecing it all together as best I can. Dragon Ball the movie. Dragon Ball the movie. We, we two things we can do we'll figure it out yeah it depends how much creative control we have if we have creative control right, right, we'll right. do it with a kid if we don't it'll have to be an adult right it'll have to be um but don't. yeah that yeah that is that's dragon ball the movie norman thank you so much for <laughs> remaking this with me yeah this is fun it's not like dragon ball is like not my favorite thing now but it's like kind of the reason i got into anime as i grew up is because i saw dragon ball as a kid so yeah i mean i was happy very happy to do this it it was a fun weird nostalgia trip of realizing how angry i could get when someone did something wrong from a property i've known about for 25 years right it's like don't i have to be like 40 to have this reaction to something what's going on no apparently not i just have to get really angry when uh master roshi does a kamehameha to like wake goku up and i'm like that's not what it's for also they don't do the right motion and i hate it they don't, and they just shout and shoot wind out of their hands. And they don't commit because they're scared and nervous about being silly. But you can't be scared and nervous about being silly. It's a silly story. Right? You're adapting an anime. Do it. It's an anime written by Akira Toriyama, one of the... Who writes comedy anime until he got famous for doing tournament storylines and was like, oh, I guess people like that. I can do drama now. He right? made Dr. Grump. <laughs> Dr. Slump. Slump, excuse me. Dr. Slump. Uh, before this. Who on a stick? Uh, Dr. Slump predates Dragon Ball. And then he just wanted to write a fun comedy adventure story about a kid with a monkey tail full of references to Chinese mythology and universal monsters. Uh, yep. And then he wound up writing one tournament arc 
because Shonen Jump was like, hey, fighting anime is fighting manga is popular. Can you write more fighting stuff? And he's like, sure, I'll try my hand at it. And he did it. And it was like the biggest thing in the world for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Goku is like as recognizable as Superman. And I don't know how many people nowadays have ever actually even seen Dragon Ball Z. But they can see a picture of Goku and be like, that's Goku. I know who that is. That's true. Um, But yeah, so tell the peoples about uh, what you got going on. And I assume if they made Uh, it to this far in the episode, they care about anime. I assume so. Uh, And if you care about anime and haven't joined the Dueling Genre Patreon, myself and Cass have uh, went through, we finished a little while ago, Hayao Miyazaki's entire feature film collection. Everything he directed is a feature film, uh, plus two movies that he wrote. Uh, And we talked about those on the Patreon for Miyazaki Mayhem. Uh, off and on with in a dueling genre versus slot. And that was a lot of fun. I learned a whole lot about Hayao Miyazaki's life and his directorial style and like his process or lack thereof at times uh, to make some of the greatest <laughs> anime movies ever made. Some of the greatest animated features ever made. And I got to be a guest for the Spirited Away episode and I remember having yeah. a lot of fun. It was really fun. I had fun recording every episode of that. Yeah. It, it was super fun to listen to. I listened to every episode. I was like, yeah, fun times. I sometimes disagree with you, but the important thing is we're enjoying it. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's what makes it a fun discussion, right? Yeah. And it's it's very much the like, oh, I, it, it, it's, it's a fun listen specifically because you're like, I want to be having this conversation with them. I want to be involved. And those are some, some of those best podcasts you listen to are the ones where you're like, I wish I was there having this conversation with them because it's so good. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. As far as a mainline podcast show. Uh, nothing at the moment, although some it's inevitable that Cass and I will return. <laughs> uh, just generic end of credits. Cass and Norman will return. Ellipses. Right. Uh, do you have social media things you want to plug? Uh, I am uh, basically a ghost on social media, so not really. Fair enough. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm occasionally not a ghost, and that is at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter, or you can follow the podcast, Ideal Remake, on Twitter or Instagram. Join us on Facebook, or more importantly, if you look in the show notes of this very episode, you can see the link to join the Dueling Genre Discord, and that's where you can yell at both Norman and I about the horrible mistakes we made while remaking this movie. Or about anime in general. I'll talk about anime with anyone. That's... That is true. Uh, And then one of the other things I try to do uh, for this is promote other dueling genre shows. And this week I want to talk about Disney Animation Minute Essentials. When it is happening, that is Kestra Dorowski and Andrew Dorowski talking about Disney animated movies one minute at a time. They've done Little Mermaid. They've done uh, Snow White. Apparently they've done Mad Max. All the things. And they talk about these movies. They go in depth. If you like Disney movies, check it out. Yeah. So that is our remake of Dragon Ball Evolution. So we will end with this. Norman, what is your favorite quote from Dragon Ball Evolution? Or Dragon, Dragon Ball. Ball. I'll, 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 I'll let you off easy. What What would be my favorite episode? Okay, so I have a I have a, I have an answer for Dragon Ball as a property in general because every time I think about it, it's like the funniest thing in the world to me. Is in the okay. English dub of Dragon Ball Z when Frieza is fighting Krillin for some reason, they decided to have the dub script be him shouting "Yippee Kaye, ride him cowboy" while he has Krillin impaled on a horn, and it's the funniest <laughs> damn thing in the world. I mean, that's pretty great. <laughs> choose to do that i don't know it's ridiculous 
<laughs> oh, poor Krillin.